0: And before we get to it this week, a lot of you have sent me the New York Times magazine article asking for my thoughts on it. And the article, for those who missed it, is women have been misled about menopause. Hot flashes, sleeplessness, pain during sex. For some of menopause's worst symptoms, there's an established treatment. Why aren't more women offered it? First, I'll say it's an incredibly well-done piece, and it pretty much encapsulates all of what we've been talking about for these two-plus years and continue to talk about. They interviewed a number of our past guests, including Dr. Mary Jane Minkin, Dr. Stephanie Falbian, and Dr. Avram Blooming of Estrogen Matters. The article basically makes it clear that it's absolute bullshit that women are still fighting their doctors for menopausal hormone therapy. The author herself Describes how she goes to her doctor with hot flashes and brain fog and other concerns. And her doctor basically says, eh, that's normal aging. And that we only prescribe hormones for significant symptoms. And my head exploded. Like, who is to tell you what significant symptoms are? If you are having your life disrupted, it is significant. Full stop. It makes me insane that we are still being treated like children, and the whole thing the whole thing just makes me super angry. I am very glad to see that menopause is finally getting this level of expository journalism in the mainstream, and I am confident that it will make a difference and things will continue to improve in that regard. I also want to take a moment and just reiterate some of the points I've made in past shows that... It is also okay if you don't want hormone therapy. As I've seen in our private group of more than 20,000 women, not everyone does well on it. For some women, 100% is a lifesaver, and many women do spectacularly on it. But not everyone does, and not everyone feels like they need it. And I'm one of them. I feel great. My Ironman training is going super well. I sleep like a sack of stones. My health is good. I'm happy. My mind is clear. And I personally don't want to rock the boat by introducing hormone therapy. And I hear from a lot of other women who are in sort of this same boat, like maybe they did have some symptoms and they've gotten through it and now they feel great or they don't feel like their symptoms are really bothering them, but they're scared now that maybe they need to take it or they're doing themselves a disservice or their health will suffer. And, you know, in the end, I think we just need to remember that hormone therapy is just that. It's a therapy. It's one very, very good tool in a box of many, many tools that includes lifestyle and exercise and nourishment and social contact and mindfulness and environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just have this dream that every woman will have access to all of these tools that she can choose from and what works best for her that can help her feel and perform her best. So those are my thoughts on that New York Times piece. And I definitely check it out. It was it was super, super well done. All right. Speaking of feeling and performing your best, this week's guest, Kristen Domenico, author of Dying to Be Enough, has been on quite the journey to get there herself. Like many women, Kristen's life has taken her on an all too common journey through the relentless pursuit of perfection. And for Kristen, that involved battling years of bulimia and other eating disorders and addiction, getting blackout drunk, all while being a very high-achieving athlete. She shares all about all of that this week. Today, Kristen is on a mission to use what she's learned to empower women in menopause to feel amazing with a balanced life strategy. She is a certified integrative health and nutrition coach and personal trainer with an expertise in women's hormonal health. You can buy her book on Amazon. You can follow her on Instagram at Kristen Fitness, and you can learn more about her coaching programs at menopausepartner.com, which she playfully describes as menopause. I'll put links to all of that in the show notes to make it super easy to find. As always, I invite you to sign up for my free weekly newsletter at feistymenopause.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Feisty Menopause, and of course, join our private Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group. If you want a deeper dive into all of that, we have a Level Up membership where we meet with experts several times a month to dive into hormones and nutrition and training and mindset and all of that. Highly recommend checking it out. That's also at feistymenopause.com. Okay. Super quick thanks to That's It for coming on as a sponsor of the show. I have been loving their mini fruit bars on my long rides and runs. I especially like the fig probiotics bars because they're easy on my belly and provide great energy. So thanks, That's It, for your support. All right, enough of me. Let's have a few words about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. (music) All right, Kristen, I am very glad that you reached out to me and shared your story, because I think, uh, as we were talking about right before I hit record, this whole feeling of not being enough is something I think that many people, especially in our generation, probably women of of all generations, but uh, certainly in our generation, struggle with and it has such consequences throughout life and then coming into this transitionary period where the ground starts shifting underneath us, I think it can be even worse. So I'm really, I'm excited for this conversation and I'm really glad to be here with you. Oh, I'm super
1: excited too, to be here with you, Celine.
0: Cool. Well, let's set the stage um, for, the, for a life of feeling like you're not enough, uh, which can lead women to constantly be trying to prove something. That I feel they never actually accomplish because the goalposts, you know how it is. They just keep shifting in your mind. Like you get to the place where you're like, this is what I've been going for. And you're like, oh, I'm still here. (laughs) Right. Maybe maybe it's something else I need to do Uh. to be comfortable with me. So you started out, which, you know, when I saw saw it was figure skating, I'm like, well, of course. (laughs) Because there are some sports that really can set that stage. And it's, it, it seems to me that figure skating is one that can really plant those seeds and really fertilize them. So can you talk a bit about coming up in that sport?
1: Well, growing up, you know, we had a an ice rink at the end of our street when I was um, really young. And I, yeah, at a young age, I think I was probably, I was nine years old when I first started taking lessons. I still remember showing up at the rink and it was, you know, they were doing a spin and I, I looked around, like, I had no idea. Like, I was like, what the heck? I, you know, I felt like, you know, everybody knew the dance steps and I had no clue. And I remember being uncomfortable, but having this desire to, figure it out you know like I'm gonna I I had the goal in my brain that I wanted to go to the Olympics you know that was that was what I wanted I wanted to be Peggy Fleming I wanted to then be Dorothy Hamill you know like so many other girls my um my age at that time anyway one thing led to the next and um you know I I actually got pretty good at it and, um, I was driven as a kid. I just always had this kind of singular focus, you know, I wasn't much into team sports. I wasn't, um, you know, I, I just, I, I, this was my goal and it was my dream. And at a young age, I, I kind of had that vision, you know, and then, um, there came a point where. He was approached by a coach and just, um, you know, who wanted me to come live with her and train because she thought I had what it took. And I was elated, you know, it was like my, in a way, I mean, with there was a lot going on in my family at the time too, behind the scenes. And I had a brother that had special needs who needed a lot of attention. My dad had a, you know, a job that demanded a lot of his attention. So it was kind of a win-win for everybody. Like here, I would move away, live with a coach. Um, in theory, right? But we kind of forgot along the way I was this little girl, right? right? And here it was like, oh, we'll ship her off. And I was behind I was like, yes, this is all I want. And so I did it. And so I, yeah, I put my all into it. But behind the scenes, you know, it's kind of like all the the underlying, um, developmental things that happened at that point in my life, I which I didn't, you know, it was kind of just, I just wanted to win and whatever it took. And, and then I got into 13, 14, I was still there. And, um, I started to like want to go out with friends and do other things and, And I really couldn't do that because of my training. And it was so intense and and very structured. So everything was very structured, very like from what I ate to, you know, my timing um, of schoolwork and everything. And so it was um, very intense, very intense. I didn't have much else beside that. And when I would socialize, I would socialize with other skaters. So all my friends were also my competitors. Um, it's all I knew. Do you know what I mean? It was kind of that, um, all I knew. And then I got injured and and the injury kind of came on the heels of, uh, probably some overtraining, um, I started to go on a diet because I was, you know, it's all about appearance on the ice and, um, not uncommon for the sport. And did somebody put you on that diet? Yes. So here's what happened. Uh, first off, I, um, started to realize while I was there over a while, I wasn't the best. I realized I didn't quite measure up in this huge, this pool of amazing skaters, right? And then, then the diet came, then it's like, okay, we're going to kind of go on this. We need to, you know, really everybody, I want to lose weight and we had weigh-ins and stuff. Well, I was going to be the best at that. So I, uh, took that and ran with that and, you know, started to get accolades for it. Right. Like, wow, Kristen, look at, you know, you're really following the regimen. And, um, it became an obsession for me. It became you know, where I felt out of control, I think. And I mean, I had coaches telling me what to do. The the family I live with, the mom in that family had really taken it upon ourselves for me to be her prodigy. Like I was not only going to be my parents, you know, but I was going to be her skater now. Throw in there, she had a daughter <laughs> who skated, but wasn't quite compet. didn't really care about it. So there was I mean, living in that house, I just go back to like, wow, like shit show. Sorry if I'm yeah. going to say shit show, but it was, um, but anyway, it, so I was put on a diet and, um, and took it to the extreme. I mean, I was, uh, that was all I had then. Right. So I would count calories. I would do calisthenics and get on the scale and like, you know, it was like, okay, look at this. I'm doing this. And, um, Unfortunately, I got injured. Surprise, surprise. Right. Lack of nutrients and, yep. you know, not supporting my body, which um, overtraining and, and you know, all of that. So here I was losing all this weight. Pressure on. This was the year I was going to go to nationals. I was going to get in the juniors. I was going to go to, you know, this was it. Um, I literally it was a seat. Right. I was on the ice competing and in the middle of the competition like my leg just gave out. Like mm. literally I ended up going from skating in the middle of a program to crutches. And, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> so there's a word that my mom always used for me. It was called, uh, she said, I'm Kristen is psychomotor gifted. Other people might, you know, you might look at like what, you know, like there's no such word first of all, but i and i think a lot of us in the athletic in the world of sport and com- competition we go beyond like we can disconnect from our body in a way mm-hmm. that allows us to kind of push through and do what we need to do until we can't so that was my last skating competition um i'll never forget me walking off with my mom to her car on crutches And my dad just looking down like, like just like that. Oh, well, you know, and whether he did that or not, Celine, I, I don't really know, but that's what I felt as a, as a 15 year old girl, right? He did not do that.
0: (laughs) You're probably right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good point. So the, but the eating behavior persisted right even yeah it got worse actually
1: before um yeah so I came home um after living away from home and going through puberty by the way you know getting my period in the stall of a some random skating rink having no idea because you know we didn't talk about that stuff and uh um anyway and yeah coming home um and just being thrown into real life, which you know, I had kind of, I was isolated in my own on my own track, and and yet being a star, right? Coming back into the hometown, in the hometown, right? Oh, you know, here I was, and and then going through surgery and realizing I would never skate again. So I, there was still this kind of hope, and yet, so it was a weird sense of relief and loss right? It was like, oh, I don't have to do this anymore. And yet who, who am I? What, this is who I am. And so that's where certainly the eating, um, you know, I was, I was originally like anorexic, right. And then I kind of got into, um, bulimia, like the binging and the purging and, you know, and then starting to use exercise a little bit, um, but very sporadically I got it. I smoked cigarettes. I mean, I got into some real unhealthy patterns and then in high school and in drinking. And, um, you know, that created a whole nother shit show that I just, I, from a pretty young age n- didn't work for me. Um, and it was all intertwined, right. It was all this just, um, I didn't know how to show up in a, in a way that I was just, Kristen all I knew how to be was Kristen the skater and so it was a long transition I'll have I I mean it didn't happen overnight you know and I think for me the challenge has been not looking for some external definition of for my identity you know I'm Kristen the skater I'm Kristen the triathlete I'm Kristen the you know this or that. I I always have needed that like external kind of affirmation or identity and and like an external identity instead of just being like, you know what?
0: I'm okay as I am. Well, let's, let's talk a bit about that because you are not alone eating disorders and drinking and all these things go hand in hand for a lot of women, especially like you're saying that this the perfectionist tendency and the tendency to like achieve and and be very very attached to your accomplishments and stay in these tight lanes of performance and all of that and you can only stay in those lanes for so long and your brain goes flying off the rails and then you go back and like it it's a very common pattern and um and you see it also in people who find endurance sports so you know and when did you find endurance sports. It sounds like you, you know, sort of found it in your young adulthood, you got married, you started the family yet a lot of these behaviors are still persisting all at the same time, which had to have been pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was, and I I feel as though it was like a game of whack-a-mole. Like I would go over here and I'd pop that one up and then I, I, you know, and not to use Brene Brown, who I love, she uses the term poo-poo platter of addiction. And that is exactly, I, I'm like, I could go over here, 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 which is, you know, so endurance sports um, for me started interestingly because I got into teaching aerobics, right? I was, you know, so that got me into <laughs> So it, many okay. of us did. <laughs> I'm like- <laughs> Excuse me. So I started teaching aerobics, right? And then spinning came on me. Oh, I was spinning structure too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually still teach crazy, right? But I love it and I do it very differently today. But that led me out onto the road, onto a bike. And I happened to be a really great cyclist, right? I was like, all of a sudden, I'm like, I can ride a bike. I mean, my first biking race literally was on a borrowed bike. And I went into a, um, like it was like a cat one. I don't know. It was like one of you know. I was my two little kids came. I didn't even have a jersey. I showed up in like my my little aerobic, you know, strappy bra. Oh my whatever. God, I did
0: the down. same thing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh my gosh! They're like you have to have your shoulders. Part.
0: Oh my god! I had to cut my race. They gave me those, those crappy T-shirts, and I had to wear that underneath what I was wearing because I didn't read the book. I didn't know you were supposed to cover your shoulders either. <laughs> Oh, shoulders and
1: then gloves. I think you needed gloves. And I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. And so luckily, right, there's a like a cycling shop right down the street. And anyway, it was like a big, and I didn't even know the race was like a big deal or there was money. I'll never forget that. And my two little kids are watching, you know, and the pack, like I had no, I mean, I went from the spinning bike to a, like, what the heck? I'll show up. I'll do anything. I mean, into this like hairpin turn where they've got, you know. The hay, the hay, and I'm like, I waited, like so the the pack went. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I don't even know, right? But the funniest thing is, Celine, I end up catching the lead freaking pack, and they're like, "Who are you? And where are you?" You know. Anyway, I was hooked. It was kind of this chasing that that high, but it was this like adrenaline rush and you know this state of like being good at something right i always just want to be i want to be good at something but it's never good enough and that was my issue is i i loved it and yet i took that as a like it became you know more more of it went from the challenge to performing you know it was like i have to perform you know for me and then you know the running got into marathoning and then the cycling got into you know racing and um which i i did enjoy and i you know i really loved competing i i'm a competitor right so i
0: love to compete um and then got into triathlon you know eventually so and you are you are still struggling with an eating disorder and and binge drinking during this time,
1: yeah, it was it was a lot of extreme, you know it was it was extreme working out. The drinking for me was kind of where I turned off. so unfortunately, it was like go 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 go. and then I needed that to kind of calm myself down because i didn't quite have that switch internally i only knew how to go and so for me and it didn't always look like a binge or over like it could look normal right but i needed it every day you know and there were times when it would get out of control for sure and that would be where i'd be like how did that happen like what you know um, so there was that. Yeah. And the binging came along with that. I, you know, it was almost like I'd stop drinking, I'd eat and then I'd eat and I'd vomit or whatever, you know, like this cycle of, of just, and then I'd get up the next day and be like, okay, today I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm going to control control. And I think for me, that's, that's really the issue was you know, and I go back to the skating and each stage in my life, you know, racing, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I remember bargaining. I remember bargaining with God. All I want to do was break 40 on a, for a 10K. Because I love speed, right? I'm like, I like, for a while, I really like to go fast. And I said, I'll stop drinking. <laughs> I'm like making these bar, you know, if you, you know, and sure enough, guess what? I made it at, it had nothing, you know, 39 Whatever. I did a 10 K at age, like, you know, whatever in my forties, but there was always, then there was the next it never, you know, for that moment it was awesome. And then what's next.
0: Right. Right.
1: That control, like thinking that illusion of control, Celine, that's, I didn't realize it was all an illusion until, you know, I
0: did. So. And when did you realize it was all an illusion? Well,
1: That would be the day that I, I died. (laughs) That would be when,
0: I mean, I hate to say it so, but it's true. And so let's, let's talk about that day because most people don't get to talk about the day that they died. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, to, to just set the stage a little bit, I had been sober for a total of seven months at that point. Um, and I just, just because it's an important, I don't talk about this much, but it is important. And I, and the reason being is the drinking stopped.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's just throw in there. I was 47 years old, which that's a, that's a point I definitely want to circle back to, but I stopped drinking and remember what drinking was, was my off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And what happened is my training ramped up. I fired my coach because all I wanted to do, I was like, I have to work out because I had no other release. Right. Okay. So that day, um, what had happened leading up to, I, I had a woman that was mentoring me and, and, and working with me on the inside job stuff. And she said, you know, I said, I really have to, my working out has become, has taken over. and I'm afraid. And she said, you know, and not that I'm, I'm a spiritual person. So I have a higher power that more than ever after what happened to me, I definitely believe, but um, she said, well, you know, turn it over, you know, see what, you know, just maybe you can ask, you know, just to be helped, right? Like, from what, you know, just to let go of it a little bit. Well, watch what you ask for, because I'll tell you what. Um, I had no, I, I had, did not see this coming and yet um, it, it changed my life forever. Um, and so I guess I'll just get into what happened on that day. Um, it was a 10 mile. I was doing with a bunch of friends. Again, remember I wasn't, oh, at this time I wasn't really competing. I had just done a triathlon and actually, you know, won my age group, right? Whatever. So we show up a couple weird things. Like my number, my race number was like six, nine, six. I know it's, it's not the, you know, and and I don't usually think anything, but I was like, that's weird. I'm like, I actually went up because then there were tables you had to actually, it was a, it was a trail race. Right. So Mm -hmm. I went up and I'm like, can I, is there any chance I could change my number? I just, I don't feel good about this. And they're like, Oh no, sorry. You know, whatever. So I'm like, all right. And we were joking. I was joking with my friends and somebody's like, Oh, Kristen, give it to me. I'll race with your number. And then, and then we were like, well, no, we better not just in case, you know, but weird things I left for that morning before my friends picked me up. And I'm like, my husband always came. He was always like my cheerleader and and he wasn't coming. And I said to him, like, what if something happens? And, you know, like, what? Like, anyway, I, I, and i will go back to what I shared about getting on the ice and not recognizing that my leg was going to give out that day. Um, there were things going on. I was clueless. Like, of course I'm going to feel uncomfortable. I'm going to have gastric distress. I mean, it was a lot. I was running into the woods and I'm like, that's weird, you know, but that happens when you're racing. That's kind of a normal, unfortunate thing as women sometimes Mm -hmm. for most of us. Um, But anyway, um, you know, it was just, I, I just, I pushed through, I pushed through, through. I don't pay attention, right? I'm like, just keep going. And so that's what I did. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't see it coming. All I know is one minute I was running and the next minute I wasn't. And, um, it was a 10 mile race. It was at about n- mile nine seven, nine, seven, nine point seven, five. Uh, and I dropped and uh you know um that was it and it just so happened that a doctor was running within three minutes behind me and the reason I share three minutes is because their survival rate is like two percent if that um And he happened to show up in, uh, at the right time. And there was a group of runners around to trying to, you know, at the time they were like, nobody knew. And I didn't look like somebody that it would be a heart, you know, right? they thought maybe I hit my head and he knew right away and he went right at it and started doing, and he felt for a pulse. God, it makes my heart like, um, it's a little hard to talk about. I, I, uh, but, um, you know, I'm here to talk about it. So, and I, it's
0: important. And um, so he performed CPR.
1: He he performed CPR. They happen to have, you know, I was close enough to the finish line. They had an AED. Yeah. Portable defibrillator. And they got my heart going again. And they got me in the, you know, the, uh, the ambulance came and got me to the ICU and, um, they didn't know he still, you know, he said he didn't know if I was going to make it. And, uh, honestly, Selene, I think the hardest thing in that gap right there was for my family. I mean, I didn't, you know, apparently in the ambulance, I was fighting off the oxygen quite a bit, like, no. And they were like, Kristen, stay with us, you know, whatever. the weird thing later on, it came to me. Like I remembered people being around me on the trail when I was, let me go back to that for a second, because so what was happening around me, I was I was aware of. I knew there were people there. I knew what was happening. I don't remember the doctor, by the way. So
0: were you out of body? I mean, did you like, like it sounds so dumb to ask this, but like, did you were you looking down on yourself? Did you see a light? <laughs> you know all the things. No, no, no. I know. Them. No, people okay. ask me that. They're like, did you
1: see a light? And so yeah. let me, let me, let me take you there because all I remember were people around me. I, I, and it was weird because I, I remembered the rustling of the leaves. It was in the fall. It was in October. And them being in chaos, like looking at their phones, like, what do we do? And I remember not being able to speak, but wanting to say, do something, do something, do something. Like that was like, I was urgently, and I don't remember being in any pain or anything. I just want to, but I remember... I remember the point where I realized they weren't doing anything and that I was going to pass. Like I remember, and it was not like, Oh, here I go. It was like this. I had to let go. I had to let go of everything. I wasn't in control. I didn't choose that. It wasn't like I'm going to let go of control now. It was like, I didn't have a fucking choice. I'm sorry. I didn't have a choice and it really, whatever it was, what it was. And then I didn't have a choice. I want to make sure I say that without. Um, so then I, I mean, that's all I remember as of the being somewhat aware And then, I mean, then I guess the doctor, I don't remember the doctor. I don't remember any of that. Um, I didn't have any awareness. So I passed through and, uh, what, what I felt like, what I felt was, um, you know, this letting go of all the, you know, the pain and the struggle and the, I mean, it was as if it was being lifted out of me, um, you know, all the challenges, you know, we all go through but it was as if, yeah, it was being taken, taken away. And I felt that light cushioning that, you know, that kind of like I was being held and I felt like um, weightless, that like lightness, that just like I was on a really soft pillow. It's, it's, but it, and then, so, yeah, so that was what my experience Was um, and then you know, was there a white light? I I don't. It was all white, and then I saw my dad. Like
0: that was the ooh um.
1: So I went into this other space where that was, and he was kind of was
0: your is your dad alive or is he not with us anymore? Yeah,
1: he's passed. So my dad passed um, and we had a really tumultuous relationship up and down. And, you know, after I stopped skating and I had the eating, disorder, he was like done with me, you know? Um, anyway, but he showed up, he had been dead. He had died in, um, 2007. And so this was, you know, seven years later ish. Uh, and it was weird. Cause it was like, he was in this room and I was kind of over in this other area. I swear it was the most, and it was red. The walls were red where he was. I was, I don't know where I was just over here. And, and it wasn't like we were having a discussion. He just said, you know, I love you and I'm worried about you. And that was it. Um, you know, whether it was whatever, I don't know why I expressed right. that. Or if I have, you know, I don't have any proof. I don't have any, you know, I, but, um, you know, that was my experience. Um, And then, you know, that was it. Then I came back in and I was on in the, you know, on the gurney or whatever I were in the ICU. And my daughter was there holding my hand and I came back through and it was like a weird, like it felt like a vacuum kind of thing. It was weird coming back and, and her hand. And I said, is that my daughter? Like right away. And then, of course, like, a, an a you know, after racing, what's well, the first thing I said is, does anybody have a foam roller? Because I'd like to roll <laughs> things out. I mean, that's what I, did. you not. I, I thought I, you
0: were going to be like, what was my time? Did I finish? Like, yeah, that,
1: there was that next, you know, like, really? Like, and then we were going to go for pancakes. I'm like, we got to still go to Silver Diner for pancakes. I mean, come on. You know, that's that, like, okay, let's move on. I'm good. I'm here, you know, right? like, but. Um, you know, once I did that, everybody, you know, my, my husband was there. He's like, all right, she's here. She's, she's back, you know? And, um, but I'm very lucky. I mean, I, so, so the thing is, I don't know where you want to go from here, maybe to talking about,
0: you know, being 47 and. Well, yeah, I mean, I have a couple of questions. I mean, one is like, you know, obviously you are 47. Were you having any sort of perimenopausal stuff at that time? And. What actually happened? I mean, did you have some sort of congenital heart issue? I mean, you're, you are quite young. Yeah. You know, even given, you know, a history that could set you, you know, the stage for not the healthiest cardiovascular health, but still, I mean, you're still quite young.
1: Right, right. So, so I will tell you that this <laughs> incident has, has real incident. Yeah. What happened to me, which is pretty major. I, I, and I went to the best of the best of the doctors. And what do they say? We don't really know. And the main reason is most women at this age, in this stage, who this happens to. hmm, don't make it. Yeah. So um, I had, and my dad had passed from a heart, heart attack. And I had some AFib, like, Early on, like some, you know, racing, hmm. I, drinking heavily, eating disorder, racing. I mean, not surprising. I had had that, but no, they were like, nope, nothing. I mean, I'd gone through a lot of testing. I had also gone to Johns Hopkins right after my dad passed in 2007 and put my heart up on a screen and he goes, wow. Like the doctor was like, yeah, Oh my gosh, you're so strong. Look at this. And he said, you do have what's called an apical in the apex of the heart, um, thickness, you know, they thought it was athlete's heart. Very, com- like not uncommon. We overtrain that muscle. It's gonna get bigger, right? It's like a bicep, but it's oh, yeah. the heart, you know? Yeah. And, um, So he said, where the thick, so it's a thickness in the heart, right? It's a, it's a wall, like the thickness in the wall, the apex of, um, of the left ventricle. So the danger is when it's on in a different space. So he said, this Dr. Johns Hopkins, um, said you would be more likely to die from stepping off a curb and getting hit by a bus than this that was in 2007 right um all right two more ironman two more ironman competitions right i mean you i was how many times was i out in my woods like 10 miles so way out there by myself all right so yes i have this condition okay it's called hyper um hcm um hypertrophic cardiomyopathy It's also, it's a big, you know, it it spans. There's lots of different variations of it, but it's the one that younger athletes generally die right away. Okay. Um, Sudden cardiac death. It, as I've done some research and because my, it is frustrated the heck out of me um, as to why there's no answers and the frustration with how I've been medicated and treated and, You know, I'm not a man, right? And so um, there is some research by um, the uh, uh, British Medical Journal and others that have shown that women in perimenopause with this condition can suffer severe symptoms, which the most severe is sudden cardiac death. Now, let me just preface that. This is the FDA not approved. You know, so I go to my cardiologist. I bring it. Well, this isn't FDA approved. I I get it. I get it. My my thing is, yes, I was in perimenopause. Did I have any idea? Absolutely not. Were symptoms showing up for me? Was I having like heavier periods? Was I struggling a little bit more with weight? Were things shifting? I already have depression. I'm already been treated for that. So that's just part of the game. Was I in hindsight? Yes. At the time, absolutely no idea what it even was. What it even was, Celine. I was 47, but I'm going to keep going like I was when I was 30. Because that worked. Did it? Yeah. So it has become so paramount in my space and work that I get to do today that I'm like, look, this is so important that as women, we understand how this time in our life is, you know, For life, I mean, this is, we have to figure this out and understand it and bring it to the forefront so that more research can be done and more women can be alerted. Like, and athletes, like the heart when we, you know, and and this not to get in, I don't, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I know that losing estradiol, which is the main energy hormone that we get that fuels our heart to do the things we want to do if there's something happening behind the scenes that is causing that up and down and we hit it at the right time I, i'm super passionate about you know being that cautionary tale i guess you know because i didn't know better and i always thought you know look at me i'm i'm able to compete and do all this stuff and i'm a picture of health not true you know true to a certain degree but i think those extremes and those things that ah that we internally struggle with and and that keep pushing us to do more and be more i mean yeah so so that day it ch- it changed my trajectory forever i had to figure out a different way and i remember I don't remember much from the hospital. I met, you know, people, because I was a little out of it and um, clearly uh, and um, a good friend of mine came a very close, close friend. Um, she sat there and I remember just bawling, just like, it was almost, it was this, who am I? What do I do now? I don't have this, you know, and I liken it to when I, stop skating. Right. It was that same. It's like, here it is again. And, um, and, you know, sitting here with you today, I truly believe, I know this could sound crazy, but it was a gift because I get to be here and I get to help women in this. I didn't realize when I wrote the book, I didn't realize when I, you know, I didn't know I was going to show up in menopause spaces. Like I didn't know, but I think that's the message is we don't know, <laughs> I think it's laid out there. We like, you have done amazing, you know, like these things that we think we're gonna like, wow the world in, or or we're gonna show up in a way, you know, whether it's competing or whatever our, our drivenness takes us to, um, I I think we just, we don't know. We don't know how we're going to help others in that space um, eventually,
0: I think. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink-it and pink-it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with HEDA's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. HEDDAS has three shoe models designed for different sessions. The Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of HEDDAS at HEDDAS.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched chain amino acids, Plus, even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night. Your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise you end up tossing, turning, punching and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play, all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. What, what happened then after you got out of the hospital, like what was the trajectory and what does life look like now? I know you work and train women in the menopause transition, um, but like, are you running? You know, I mean, what, what has it been like since you've, since that time? Uh, so I have a portable, I have an uh, ICD, uh, like a
1: implantable cardiac defibrillator Yep. so that if my heart goes out of rhythm, it. Kicks it back. So I will tell you, I had a really rocky road coming back because I was in denial. Mm -hmm. I did not right away. I was not willing to accept. So I tell you, my life changed forever on that day, which it did. But it has been a journey to, I mean, I'm like, I'm not stopping because that was just a fluke. How could, you know, dying? I mean, come on. Well, I'll tell you what, this went off six times. Mm -hmm six times since so this happened though what, what i mean I, this is important i think because um yeah and and i tell you the like the last time i'd say it's been a while it's been about five years maybe since it's gone off interesting the hormone i was just gonna ask that oh and it is typical that once we get through. Because you're
0: postmenopausal now?
1: Yes, I am. And when I tell you it was like a switch went off, mm-hmm. like all of a sudden, um, not, I mean, pretty noticeable. Uh, you know, I was starting to feel better. I was not fighting my body as much. I also went off my medications. So now I just have this, which it will save my life if necessary. I mean, it has, you know, for sure. Um, But the last time what happened to me, I was on the treadmill and I was alone in my basement. And I dropped. And it went off, thank God. And you so dropped
0: on the treadmill? Did I, you go so I went, I had gotten, I
1: was able to get <laughs> off the treadmill. No, no, no. Right. I thank God. I, the, the tra- I felt it coming. Mm-hmm. And I dropped to the floor. Do you want to hear the scariest part of that? Really? I looked at my watch and I was like, how much did I get in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's the crazy. The crazy is still there. Yeah. No, I'm not even joking. And you know, not, I know. It. Okay. <laughs> Because that was, you know, oh, so, so it was that moment though that I'm like, I felt what that felt like. I knew what was happening. And I talked myself. I mean, it was that discussion of, oh, go to the bathroom. Oh, that's all that was. You just need, you know, whatever. And it's this bargaining back and forth. And I'm like, I can't keep doing this, it's not working. Whether it was, you know, but I was so challenged to, to really let go still, I I kept fighting it. And, um, and so, so I started dialing it back and dialing it back and I didn't run. I stopped running for a while. So I, I was like, okay, well, clearly that, you know, um, and i started taking the medicine again so i i was playing with the me- i'm like i don't i don't feel good on the medicine because it would keep my heart rate down so i'm like i don't want right. to feel crappy right and um anyway so i started doing the things and and i started feeling better and i started shifting how i was working out um and i did a lot of work on this because it was like i didn't really know another way um and so I did. I started to shift and change and do more strength training and get away from the longer stuff. Um I was still ride my bike, but I was really cautious. I was started to become connected. I started to notice like okay, back off, like which was new, right? Like okay, team, you know, coach your clients and bring it back for you. Like every time, you know, it's like this. So um yeah, I started to change how I worked out more yoga for me was helpful because it kind of calmed me down. Um, started to meditate, started to do more of the mindful practices. Um, and still doing some, but really watching because for me, the tricky part is I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better. I can do more. I can, you know, and, and, um, and I have to watch that because the minute I think I can do more, it's like, all right, well, let's just, let's just, so I've gotten into this routine of, and now I'm running again, actually. So a little bit, I'm not, okay. Let's just preface running um, pace. I used to look at, yeah, it's basically, I could probably walk as, I mean, I I, I have to do it differently. I can't, I can go out and enjoy the trails. And every time I'm out there, I'm like, thank you, God. like. I appreciate it. I have so much gratitude for being able to move my body through space and experience that. So it's different. It's right? Um I do some of the hit stuff. I I do, you know, some sprint, some, you know, so I still do some of that but very you know, very structured, not overdoing and never you know, so I'm learning how to go from pushing through to kind of um You know, I have that I call it the push-through part. Like that's what, you know, gets in my way sometimes. So it's more acceptance of being in it and enjoying it. So I mean, unfortunately for me, and I, you know, I can't compete today in a way I used to. Just I mean, that I have to, I have to tame. I can still get out on the pickleball court though, and I show up there and I'm like, you know, but you know it it shows up in little ways you know and um i take it and i'm like that's good enough you know and i t- do a lot of self talk <laughs> i am enough today i am you know and and i'm blessed that my passions can be kind of helpful for others and that's really kind of shifted my how i show up and feel good i guess is is really Yeah. What
0: inspired you to work with women in
1: the menopause space? So again, going back to kind of what happened to me, um, I just wanted to learn. I I was like, something's going on. I don't know what it is. I was already in the nutrition and health coaching space and um, working with women there. So I had come into working with a few women who are really having trouble and I was curious. And then I'm like, well, I'm right. You know, this might be happening for me. Um, And it was sure enough. And so selfishly (laughs) for myself, right. I wanted, I was like, I got to understand what the heck is going on. And so I took an advanced, uh, like a certification in hormone health and it was like, Whoa, you know, it just blew my mind and it led me down to research more and then the, one of the clients that I was working with happened to work for a group of OB doctors mm-hmm. and they were looking for someone to help with their patients, um, with nutrition counseling and ex you know, exercise and, you know, they would do their part. And I, so I, so anyway, I developed, you know, this class that I would give to their patients and, and I was like, well, why not just open, you know, once I got it under my belt and then, um sure enough, well, my clients kind of age with me, you know, where I work with women around the same time, you know, and so everybody's like, what are you doing? I want, you know, what, and so I would just start sharing. And then, um, you know, before I knew it, it just kind of enveloped and me and, and it became kind of all, you know, I was like, this is my space. This is where I can help women. And, you know, it's interesting to, to kind of speak it out loud. I mean, I guess I don't have a hard time saying, you know, speaking it, but, um, you know, it's interesting to see the reaction and the response. Some women are like, "Mm," you know, whoa. Um, and you know, so, and then secretly women will be like, I'm really glad you're talking about this. You know, it's, and so, yeah, so it, it just kind of evolved and I kept getting these kind of, you know, ping, 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 you know, um, and so, yeah, it's really been, and now my workouts, and I have to say, thanks to you and Stacy Sims too, for <laughs> encouraging that I had, I had started doing heavy lifting with my clients. I'm like, we have to shift, we have to shift anyway. So, um, so between the workouts and the nutrition side of it and, and the self-care, I mean, you know, and so having that knowledge of what's going on, and then I always say I have to stay in my lane because- you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't prescribe hormones. So I'm in the natural space. Like I can support you here. Um, you know, and there's a lot of women that want that and need that most of us,
0: no matter what our decisions are around. Yeah. Hormone therapy. So is there anything that, uh, you wanted to say to this audience that we haven't talked about yet? You know, in this world, I think as a woman going through this
1: transition, I think these symptoms that show up for us can be really confusing and really hard to pinpoint. Like, it's like, is it menopause or is it just that I'm depressed and anxious or, you know, gosh, or I'm eating too, you know, it's, it's this, how do we, how do we navigate this? And not over identify, but not underestimate the power that this time in our lives has over our well-being and health and longevity. Um, and I'm super glad like there's platform now there's this platform you know that you've created and um, and it's it's coming more into the forefront. We have to understand what that what we what we eat, breathe, move, and how we how we take care of ourselves at this time is really important and has to change to a certain degree, right? We can't, we're not in those 30 year old or, you know, year old bodies um, anymore. And yet we have this body that we've been given and we can nurture it and um, take care of it in a way. I think that we can age beautifully and gracefully. I mean, I think that there's a lot of hopelessness out there and, we are enough. And I I know that in this phase of life, we can, as we transition through going from being, having the main purpose of having babies, bringing them up and then letting them go. It's like, now what a lot of women are, you know, that now what, um, and we have our sport, if you're an athlete or, you know, hopefully you're physically better using that in your life, but it's this underlying kind of like you know, finding that space in, in each of us that I'm worth it. I'm worth taking care of. I'll tell you what I do, Celine, every morning (laughs) I wake up and I look in that mirror and I tell myself like, you are worth taking care of today. And I mean, that sounds really, you know, blah, blah, you know, out there and, and whatever, whatever it is. But I think so many women today might be looking in the mirror, like, God, I'm less than I I used to be this and I'm not that anymore. And whether it's a sport or whatever, it's like, okay, well, what can I be today? Like what's possible. And I think it's important to not set limits on ourselves at this stage in life. I mean, it's going to change what we're going to do, but, but I think there's so much within each of us that we can, we can do for ourselves and for others. And I, I guess that dying to be enough, you know, if I'm working on another book, it's, 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 you know, embracing menopause as a place that we can be more than enough, you know, and it's kind of that time and space where we have that opportunity. It's just working with, you know, and we might be feeling a little bit crappy in there and it's like, okay, well, how do we kind of put it together? You know? And, and I think that's, that's, I guess what I want to share if if, I mean in all this is that a, we're not in control (laughs) and that it's an illusion and yet we can step into our life where we are today and do those things, you know, all the, you know, whether it's being active and eating healthy and doing the things that we can to nurture ourselves in this space and show up however we're supposed to.
0: Okay. Well, that was something, huh? I didn't want to say too much in the intro because it's not every day you get to talk to someone who literally died, and I didn't want to give that away. But now I I did want to talk a bit about the condition that she had, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or HCM, which according to the American Heart Association, is most often caused by abnormal genes in the heart muscle. And the genes cause the walls of the heart chamber, especially the left ventricle, to become thicker than normal. Kristen was 47 when she, in her own words, quote unquote, dropped dead at mile 9.75 into a 10 mile race. Statistics on surviving this event are 2% out of the hospital due to the timing and the small chance of coming through it without any brain damage. She is incredibly fortunate to be here. And at the end of the interview, she talks about How potentially being in perimenopause played a role in the event and research bears that out. The literature shows that though this condition can occur in both women and men, females are at greater risk of HCM-related complications and death. They also tend to run into trouble later than men around the time of menopause and beyond, and those changes in estrogen levels may be playing a role here. And I just think that that's really important for anyone to know if they have this condition, and I'll put links to all of that in the show notes as well. Okay. So next week, we are smashing powerlifting records with the amazing Michelle Carlson of Strength Elevated Coaching. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause a Feisty Menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word-of-mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that tofosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi's sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tafosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like feisty menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap.